Well, good morning and welcome to Sunday School at Second Baptist. I'm glad you could be with me again this week. Um, I'm videotaping this again from home and um, just to give you an update on my my mother, she came uh, last week, I think I had told you that she came to stay with us and she is um, much improved since um, she came to be with us and um, she's able to walk some distance now, a little distance and uh, using the walker and, and really uh, on the road to getting her strength back. So um, we're very thankful for that and um, still not totally there, but, but she's very much improved. So we're, we're glad about that. We're going to continue our uh, study in Philippians that we started last week. And we at, last week we studied uh, the first 11 verses of chapter 1. This book, which is a letter uh, from Paul to the church, uh, the Philippian church, or church at Philippi, um, as we said last week, shows Paul's great affection for the church and um, that this was the first church that had been planted in the uh, as a result of the Macedonian call if you remember that story so we're going to start today then we're going to pick up in uh, verse 12 of chapter 1 and go forward to the end of that first chapter so let's, uh, let's start off by reading verses 12 to 14. Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. And that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. So, he at, in last week's lesson, he spent time greeting, uh, in greetings, greeting the church. And now he's getting into... Um, more of the, you know, body of the letter, I guess you might say. And so the first thing he says here in verse 12 is, I want you to know, brethren. So there's some things he wants uh, them to know or be reassured of. And the first thing is that his circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. His circumstances, you know, being... Uh, that he has been imprisoned there in Rome and under house arrest is, um, you know, as we talked about last week, he says, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. And so it's well known throughout the area of of Rome that he's in and throughout the guard who are watching him 
uh, they probably had a guard, I guess, or two on his house, you know, to keep him there. So that the whole guard and everyone else knows that he's being imprisoned, uh, basically, because he is a follower of Jesus. Because the Jews went there, you know, and accused him of stirring up trouble or whatever. And so the guard and everyone else knows that um, he's being imprisoned because of his beliefs. And um, and it says in verse 14 that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. And so people had come to Christ as a result of uh, seeing that he was imprisoned because of this belief that he has and the passionate way that he expresses it and they had come to follow Jesus and he says they are they have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear so it has empowered them or emboldened them to speak about the things that they have learned in their salvation because of the circumstances that Paul is in. Um, and that is always the experience of the church. I think that um, the phrase that, that we say sometimes is persecution drives the church or persecution, you know, spreads the gospel. Because when people are persecuted in like in the book of Acts, where they may have been persecuted in one place and they had to flee to another, then when they fled, they carried the gospel with them. And that same thing happens today, where people have to flee. It doesn't make them, oh, let's forget about the gospel and let's don't follow it anymore because uh, we had to flee. It makes them bolder in saying, you know, this is why we had to flee because of our beliefs and, and we were being persecuted for it. And so persecution drives the church. Um, okay, now let's go on to verse 15. Let's see. 15 to 17. Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ even from envy and strife, but some also from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. Now he's talking about some people, and we, he doesn't name names, and he doesn't get super specific with it, but he's talking about some people and saying that there are some people who are preaching about Christ from envy and strife. Um, envious of him, we suppose, because then when he talks about, um, talks about it further down, he refers to himself. And so um, they were envious of him, envious of the fact that people maybe... Uh, paid a lot of attention to him in his imprisonment or or his 
uh, his plight or whatever. And so maybe that had caused them to be envious and they began to also preach and try to get followers of their own. Uh, or then it says out of strife. So even if there was uh, some, you know, disagreements or something among the believers there and out of that then they begin to preach uh, but some also from goodwill so others were sharing the gospel just out of their goodwill and then it says the latter those who are sharing out of goodwill the latter do it out of love knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel so those people we're sharing from love who love him and know that he is a defender of the gospel and that he's been in prison, we'll say falsely, um, because of his defense of the gospel. And no doubt, you know, Paul was a very outspoken and opinionated person. I mean, you can imagine that he was um very passionate about the gospel and maybe that had um you know at times brought out the worst in some people who had a um a less good intention i'll say it that way and so then he says the latter let me get back to it the former, I'm sorry, so the former being the first ones that he spoke about, which were the ones that were preaching Christ from envy and strife. So he's in verse 17, the former proclaimed Christ out of selfish ambition rather than pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. So they're sharing Christ and their motive or doing so is selfish he says selfish ambition rather than a pure motive and thinking that they will cause him distress so I'm not sure what distress they felt that they would cause him the fact that he can't move around freely and share the gospel like they could and you know because they were envious of him or what but he's he has identified and discerned that some people that are sharing the gospel are doing that out of a bad motive motivation uh, for doing so and then but then an interesting uh, thing then in verse 18 let's read that what then only that in every way whether in pretense or in truth Christ is proclaimed and in this I rejoice yes and I will rejoice so what he basically says is whether they're doing it out of a out of a sort of a selfish ambition motive or whether they're doing it out of a pure motive if they are proclaiming Christ and doing that in truth you know proclaiming the truth about Christ if they're doing that whatever the motive God can use that proclamation of Christ to work in people's hearts and I think that is very true you know the particularly the scriptures as in modern days you know 
I remember a time when um, we were considering whether or not we were called to ministry and weren't sure, you know, and were, were struggling with that and trying to figure it out. And we heard a preacher on TV who used a certain scripture that sort of tipped the balance and helped us to understand that, yeah, we were called. But that particular preacher, to be honest, he was a he was a televangelist that was not very respected and, um, you know, didn't necessarily preach the word of truth, I'll say. He was more like, you know, send me money <laughs> and that sort of thing, you know. But the scripture is what spoke to us. It was not really his, his other words that he said, but it was the scripture that he used that the TV just happened to be on and, and it spoke to us. And so God's word does not return void. Isn't that what the, the scriptures say? And so these people that Paul is referring to, whether out of good motive or bad, they are sharing the truth of Christ. And he knows that that will serve to promote the gospel even further. And so... <clears throat> So he's not, you know, he's rejoicing that that is happening, that the gospel is being shared. Now let's go on a little bit further. In verses 19 to 21, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Now he's referring, um, well, and then let's read the next verse, verse 21. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's a famous verse that is quoted and so what he's talking about here he says I know that I'm going to be delivered through your prayers whether that is in life or in death so he knows that people are praying for him um, he he's praying that he will not be put to shame in anything but that with boldness, uh, Christ will be exalted through what is happening to him. So he says, you know, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So if he lives, he's going to live unto Christ, we'll say. Christ will be glorified if I live. Uh, I will glorify Christ if I live. You can, you can think that in both of those ways. And if I die, it is gain. And so, if he dies, Christ will also be glorified by the testimony of his life. Which is what happened. You know, we have these written letters and records of the things that Paul did and said. 
uh, probably partly because he died and was martyred uh, for the cause of Christ. But also, the gain for him was that he would gain heaven and go to live with Christ. And so, you know, there was not a losing side in his mind. Whether he lived or whether he died, Christ would be glorified. And he would gain by it either way around. Okay, now let's go on to verses 22 to 24. But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which to choose, but I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. So he speaks there of the struggle that he has in knowing that, you know, if he does die, he's going to be with Christ and how uh, that is a wonderful thing. And, the, and it, even that is the better thing. But at the same time, he knows that to remain in the flesh is going to be a way that he can continue to encourage the, the new Christians and those in the churches. And so that's, that is the, the struggle that he faced. Now let's read on in verse 25 and 26. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. So he wants he 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 his decision I guess is that he would like to remain and continue with all the churches for their progress and joy in the faith and so that uh their their confidence in him will abound by his coming to them again because he knows that it would create a great deal of joy for them if he were able to get out of prison and return to them and see them all again. And so, um, you know, th these are the, he's just, this is a personal message, isn't it? He is talking about the dynamics of what he's going through and also uh, the personal feelings that he has about it. And we don't always in Scripture get to see such personal things. You know, a lot of times it's just teaching. And so this is a very personal letter that we can study. Now, our lesson ends there, but um, I, I do want to go ahead and read the next verse because it, you know, it's important. It's important, and you can read on to the end of the chapter, the other verses, but let's read verse 27. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. That verse I really love um, because 
I feel like this is something for us as Christians today to live by. That we should conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And certainly I don't do that. Um, you know, I have many shortfallings. But I feel like if we had that as our goal to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel, then it would redirect some of the decisions that we make and some of the ways that we live, some of the many, many aspects of our, of our life, the way we dress, uh, the way we display our wealth, if we have it, the way that we speak to others, the way, the attitude that we have toward other people, so many things can be influenced just simply by having the thought of conducting ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And you could even almost take this verse and, and say that Jesus would feel the same way as this as what Paul said so that whether I come and see you or remain absent I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel and even though Jesus can see us you know Paul of course would have to go and see them Jesus can see us all the time but at the same time the idea of whether he remains absent, whether he, you know, has not yet returned, or whether he does return, in both cases, that he is going to see us living in a manner that's worthy of the gospel. And so I think that is the thought that I have for this week, for us to dwell on, you know, is, are we doing that? How can we improve in our attitudes or in the physical way that we live or in our devotion to Christ or in whatever so that we, uh, we are living in a manner worthy of the gospel? So that's something uh, deep to think about. And there are a lot of deep thoughts in this little short book that we're we're studying. So next week we're going to study the first part of chapter 2, um, the first 15 verses. And so if you want to go ahead and read those and think about them, then you'll be ready for the lesson next week. I hope all of you are well and I know that I heard that John and Carol Ball are getting better and I'm very happy about that. We've been praying for them and so many others who have been sick with COVID. And I pray that you will um, be encouraged and know that uh, the sickness is hopefully temporary and that you will be on the mend and you'll get your strength back even though some days it doesn't feel like it. But whatever you're going through, know that um, Jesus has 
left you here for a reason and just keep putting one foot in front of the other and do the best you can and you'll get there things will improve and um, you'll you'll get your strength back so that there'll be a time where we'll all see each other once again so thank you for being with me and i'll see you next week